This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. All over the world, many who name the name of Christ are actually spiritually asleep. Pastor Tom has hit on some things, and before I came here for the first time, I put uh, a lesson together to open up uh, the conference today from my point, from my first session, and it was so much in line with what Pastor Tom is trying to convey to us and try to share. It's his heart, it's his heartbeat that the Church of Jesus Christ wake up. Many believe that this calamity and fear and devastation that has happened on our watch is because we're napping when we should uh, have been out representing the kingdom, letting our light so shine before men that others might see our good works and glorify the Father. Gross darkness is in the land upon the people. Darkness is everywhere. His light shines upon us. His light shines through us. There are many people at this hour that are calling uh, for some sort of revival. And, um, and why not? Revival is the overarching theme of the Old Testament. The psalmist writes in Psalm 85 and 6, Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Psalm 138.7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. It's the overarching theme of the Old Testament. Actually, David at many times in his life, because of his perils, needed restoration, needed reviving, needed God to do something again. So in the text I read in Romans 13, 11, Paul is writing to the Romans, admonishing them to maintain, as you heard this morning, a sense of sobriety, a sense of vigilance, alertness. And we need that in the time in which we live as they needed in the days of the Romans. It's the same plea of Peter. Chapter uh, 5, uh, 1 Peter says in verse number 8, Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There's a verse right after that, verse 10, that says something, has a little twist to it. Just the first part, 1 Peter 5, 10. After that, you have suffered a while. After that, you have suffered a while. A lot of people, Dr. Mahoney, Bacone, seem to think that it's strange that Christians have to go through certain trials. Peter goes on to say, make it not strange. He says, after that you've suffered a while, the God of all comfort will strengthen you, settle you, and establish you. It appears to me, just based on the psalmist, based on Paul and Peter, uh, that trials will come and trouble shall arise but we have hope and we have precious promises from God God will preserve us alive God will renew our strength he'll save and deliver us out of all of our afflictions you better get excited <laughs> I have brought a gentleman with me that I grew up with and his favorite expression is you better get excited when he hears something that's true and he heard me preaching on the resurrection and whenever he reads about the resurrection story of Jesus Christ, he just says to himself and everybody around him, you better get excited. 
So a lot of people think it's strange, but not God. Bottom line is, God will supply us with whatever we need to endure. So I agree with many that we are in need of some degree of revival. But we must keep in mind um, why anybody would ever need reviving. Because revival is only needed after there's been a struggle. After something almost took you out. After something wore you down or wore you out to the point that you didn't think you could make it. So here are a couple of promises. Y'all got to get this from, uh, from God uh, that will help us in these hard times because times are difficult right now. We have promises from the promise keeper. One of those promises is Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. We love this verse, Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Yes, and as I look back over these last two years, didn't think I was going to mention them, didn't you? I haven't been here in over two years because of that wicked thing they call COVID-19. I think to myself, you know that these times should have been expected. How many of you have had some difficulties during these last two years that had some struggles and some trials? Let me see your hand. That's not rhetorical. You've had some situations. Uh, we would do good to learn something, speaking to principles, Pastor Asa, that sometimes trials and trouble don't come our way because we've necessarily done something wrong. Trouble is not necessarily because we have sinned or we have a whole bunch of hidden issues that we don't tell anybody about. Trials and trouble are a promise. Oh, you want to enter into promise? <laughs> Trials and trouble are a promise. Listen to Jesus, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you. That in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You missed it. Tribulation is a normal part of living in this world. And you're going to have the matter of fact, if any man shall live godly in Christ Jesus, he shall suffer persecution. Come on, y'all. Don't think it's strange. Come on. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. It's a promise. It's going to happen. So have you noticed that the body of Christ is under severe attack? The devil knows he has but a short time, a window of opportunity. The pandemic created for him the perfect storm. All that we've been through was an all-out assault by the devil, our adversary, on our faith. Pastor Tom has mentioned it. Taz has mentioned it. And even Dr. Asa has mentioned it. The devil is after the faith of those who are called the people of God. He doesn't want your flat. He doesn't want your car. He doesn't want your spouse. You don't want your... The devil is after our faith. So the Bible calls him our adversary. He's our arch enemy. So then it's safe to say that our adversary, and though we have political issues, is not a political party. Our adversary is not a particular nationality. It's not a certain race of people. It's not colonizers. It's not natural governmental leaders in the flesh. Our adversary 
It's the devil. We're warring against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through the power of the living God. The devil is after our faith. Will the son of man find faith on the earth when he returns? What you've been through these past two plus years has all been about your faith. It's all been about your belief, your persevering belief system. Do you have what it takes to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Are you authentic? Are you real? Are you who you say you are? Ah, somebody needs to remind us today that it is our faith that pleases God. Without it, we cannot please God. Remember, Job, I want to say this to you. Often God would allow trouble to come just to reveal what's in you and to reveal if you have that persevering faith. It was Job that had issues beyond anything we could imagine. And it was Job's faith that kept him. It was his integrity. It was literally what was in him. The devil asked God for permission to destroy everything that meant something to Job in this life or everything that Job had in this life, that Job possessed in this life. And the enemy thought that it was the possessions that made Job happy. It was the possessions that made Job blessed. And the devil said, if I touch his stuff, take all of his stuff, I promise you he'll cuss you. I promise you he'll deny you like Peter. I promise you he'll leave you alone. Job lost everything, but listen to what God reveals about Job. Job 2, verse 3. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and, and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Remember the principle that trouble will come sometimes for no reason other than to reveal what's in you. Trouble will come to you sometimes not because of your own shortcomings or your proclivities to do wrong, but trouble comes sometimes because God knew that if Job were to be tested, that Job had what it took to survive it, and that in the end, if Job was going to be not only twice blessed, but Job would be a witness to us even today that come hell or high water no matter what betides God will take care of you that God knows how much you can bear that God knows how much you can endure I wish I was back in Jacksonville Florida right now I told y'all year after year after year when you hear the truth you ought to shout run dance now I'm not looking for a response today I'm looking for results and so I'm going to deposit a few more principles in you. And when I'm done, information leads to inspiration. And when I'm done, you ought to be running as fast as Hussein Bolt or whoever your Zimbabwean 100-meter sprinter that went to Florida State University and ran track is. I can't think of his name, but you know who I'm talking about. Do you know what they said about COVID-19 and what it actually did? It actually was not that which was killing people, but it was... Uh, revealing underlying conditions that people may have had that contributed to the debilitation and the death of a person. That's why you saw people who had underlying conditions often, they would overly protect themselves. COVID-19 also revealed some of the underlying conditions of the church and many of the people of God. Uh -huh. Like, where is your faith? 
And who is your faith in? Uh, was your faith in the prophets? Who, by the way, didn't see this coming. I, I ran into two prophets one day at the airport. Another one walked up to one and they looked at each other and he says, you're doing well. How am I doing? You'll get it later. <laughs> so was your faith in your faith? Which, by the way, is not true biblical faith. Here's what we should have learned from these trials we've been through over the last two years. Mark eleven twenty two, And read it with me. Say it loud and clear. Mark eleven twenty two, Have faith in God. Say it loudly. Have faith in God. True biblical faith is faith in God. So here's what I never lost sight of and what you should never have lost sight of during these calamic last two years. God was God before COVID-19. God was God during COVID-19. God was God when you couldn't go outside. God was God when it was mandatory to wear a mask. God was God when you had to stand six feet apart from each other. God was God when people around the world were dying, uh, many of them because of fear. God was God when the schools were closed. God was God when the airlines shut down. God was God when there was no toilet paper. God was God when religious services and preachers were ruled non-essential and I've come all the way from Jacksonville Florida in the United States of America to let you know that God was God through all of that and to remind you today that God is still God right now there's one that sits on the throne somebody shout glory nothing's a match for God he knows what he's doing <laughs> Pastor Tom alluded to Jeremiah 29 and 11. Pastor Asa alluded to Daniel's account of Jeremiah and the 70-year captivity. How, in essence, one translation says, God says, I know what I'm doing. All of the false prophets were saying, it's going to be over in a week. All of the false prophets were blowing, blowing on the and, and trying to make it go away. And God says, no, 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 70 years. No, no, no. Whatever the time is going to take for me to refine and to reform my people, uh, to test the faith of my people, to my people to come on, to be able to develop a right relationship with me. I want to especially do something right now because uh, I'm here today to help you uh, and to revive your faith in the fact that God is still God. And, 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 and how many of you have been through the fire uh, these last two years, the fire, it felt like fire. Y'all, though, you guys don't know how to respond and stuff. Now, watch this. By the show of hands, how many of y'all have been through the fire these last two years? Now, why I get all those hands this time, and I didn't get them last time, right? Been through the fire, right? So I want to especially commend you. Those of you who represented God well while you were going through the fire, I come to applaud you today, right? It's one thing to praise God. And to represent God when things are going good. But some of y'all were like the Hebrew boys. They represented God in the fire. What did they realize? God was with them in the fire. Come on, he promises never to leave us nor forsake us. For some of y'all, you realize that there was a fourth man in the fire with you. Come on, by the way, when it was all over, 
they didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because they were on fire before the fire. So I want to commend those of you who were already on fire for God, who were already living for God. Come on, who already had faith in God. You knew that God was with you, and now you don't even smell like smoke. You don't even look like you, what you've been through. When everybody else is still stripping, still afraid, still going through, look at you. You made your way to the action conference. You put on your clothes, anointed your head, and you said, for God I'll live and for God I'll die blessed be the name of the Lord throw your head back reach way down and shout in here so I'm not saying that the COVID season was easy what has happened almost made some of the best of us quit (laughs) it was tough but in the Bible say that in this world you shall have tribulations. So I'd like to suggest to you that it was all a setup. It was all a setup. I believe that it is our time to shine. This has happened on our watch because God knows that we have what it takes. Mm -hmm. Every generation before us has had its own pain and pathos to face. God expects us to be sober and to be vigilant. God expects us to be woke and focused. Remember I said in the Old Testament, the cry was, Lord, revive us. But in the New Testament, in the true church of Jesus Christ, the Bible seems to suggest to us that it is time to awake out of sleep. Look around us. The moral decline of this planet is abominable. Every nation, the Bible said, that forgets their God is turned into hell. Romans 13, 11, our text says it again. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. My friends, it's time to wake up. While we slept, the text says, an enemy sowed in these tears an enemy have done this god has always had him a body on earth that represented him properly in the garden we've heard mention of adam in the wilderness there were the children of israel and then came the incarnation where god himself came and my god said my god a body has thou prepared me and lo i go into the volume of the book to do your will his name is emmanuel which is being interpreted god with us Here's a type of what's happening. Jesus actually models for us what's happening today. Jesus was here in a physical body, meaning he was the body of Christ. And there was a time when all hell was breaking loose, even in the lives of his disciples, his followers. Remember the time they were on a boat and they were going across the sea? Jesus was with them on the boat. But the body of Christ, Jesus, was asleep. He was with them in the midst of the storm, but he was asleep. And they needed Jesus. They needed the body of Christ to help them. But he couldn't help them asleep. So what did they do? They went over and they revived him. No. They went over and they woke him up. The church today needs to wake up. 
the body of Christ needs to wake up, to wake up to its purpose, to work up to truth, to wake up to the power of God that's available to us so that we can combat the wiles of the devil that's causing others to fear. Lord, Lord, careth not that we perish. And they went and they awoke him. He was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. Don't you ever forget what Jesus had said anyway. Some of us, we soon forget our memories are very short. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Hell is unleashing its wrath against the church, against truth today. And in our day, hedonism, uh, the love of pleasure is zapping our strength because to be the friend of this world is to be the enemy of God. We're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. And whenever we become fleshly, we become carnal, we lose our strength. Pluralism is watering down our message. All religions can't be right. There might be 50 different airlines I can take to get to Zimbabwe, but there ain't but one way to get to God. And that is through Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. Humanism where man is making God man and man God is watering down our God and subjective relativism is watering down our doctrine where everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. It's time for us to awake. So I say to you today, wake up. Tell somebody, wake up. Wake up. Think about it. Ruler against rulers. Right now, I saw in America this yesterday where an 18-year-old kid takes an assault rifle and go into an elementary school and kill 19 little children and two adults just randomly shooting. And there are wars in Ukraine and all over the world, all over Africa and everywhere, and rumors of wars. There are natural disasters happening like never before. There's still famine. There's still pestilence. Doctrines of devils and false prophets abounding. There's a spirit of antichrist turning all away from God. There's a lethargy and apathy and truth breaking and self-love, hedonism, narcissism, racism, humanism, and on and on and on. My brothers and sisters, these things require a direct move of God if we expect to overcome them. So then, is there a word from the Lord? I've come to be a blessing to you. I've come to encourage you. I've come to admonish you, to reprove, to rebuke, and exhort you. I've come to call you to sobriety and to awake you to the task that we have at hand. Let me first of all declare some things I believe to be true. Are you ready? The church is a glorious church. The, you, you, better, you better get excited. The church is a united church. The church is a living body. And the church is and will be a victorious church. Come on. The church is alive and well on planet earth. You may ask how? How, Bishop? We don't see and have the resources. Did you hear Pastor Asa? You don't need resources. All you need is Faith in God, right? We don't have access to finances. We don't have technology needed. Listen, it doesn't take a whole lot of resources and, and a whole lot of stuff and things to be the church. 
The church is not a building and stuff anyway. You are the church. We don't go to church. We don't have church. We are the church. And so you need to understand that even little becomes much when you put it in the master's hand. Just a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal can take you through any hard time. The early church had little to no resources anyhow. It had no televisions, no satellites, no technology. It had no computers, no iPads, no iPhones, no droids, praise God. It had no Facebook. It had no Twitter accounts. They lacked in everything, everything that you might think you need. But what they didn't lack in was power. They had power. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power. I need to know if there's anybody either here in the front row or in the back row that's ever been endued with power from on high, that lives with the presence of the living God inside of them, that has the anointing abiding in them. I'm down to find somebody that's been freshly washed in the blood of the Lamb and cleansed by the power of the Spirit and then dwelt by the Lord Jesus himself. Come on, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Come on, I need to talk to somebody. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Your anointing is not to make you famous. Your anointing is not to allow you to speak at action. Your anointing is to heal, to loose, and to set free all that are oppressed of the devil in your household, on your jobs, in your community, wherever you go, the anointing of God is available. Come on, God has given us manifold grace. He's painted us with what we need. He's endued us with what we need to be able to make a difference wherever we are. You don't have to come out of the ghetto to be victorious. You don't have to have the job to give God glory. All you have to do is know that he knows you, you know him, and them that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. All you got to do is have a right relationship with him and know him. And the sky is not the limit. What happened to our power? It looks like persecution from outside and the infiltration of false doctrine by false prophets and teachers on the inside has watered down the conviction of the saints. False prophets abound and have turned the sermon on a mount or the sermon on the mount to the sermon on the amount. Greedy dogs are devouring the flock. What has happened? The church became institutionalized and controlling, and the church has lost its zeal and its sense of purpose. Churches are returning to roots of Catholicism, taking on forms of liturgy and litany and replacing dunamis with exousia. That's power with God to authority over people. Leaders are no longer serving. They're lording. Religion is replacing relationship. We're looking around the world right now and the world is watching our telecast 
even Facebook and social media forums of everybody and their mama claiming to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. There are many voices in the world and none of them are insignificant. This is why I've traveled all the way from Jacksonville to Zimbabwe. I come here because I've told you in the past, I know that there is a sure word of prophecy here. I know that there's a clarion sound here. I know that there's sound doctrine here. I know that there's a commitment to prayer here, a commitment to praise and worship here. Come on, I know that there's a commitment to fellowship here. I know that there's a commitment to having faith in God here. Come on, I know there's a commitment to soul winning here and evangelism here. I know there's a commitment to feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and taking care of the widows and the orphans and the outcasts. I know that there's a commitment to the ailing and the sick and the needy. I know that there's a commitment to those who need to know God for Jesus didn't come for them that were whole but he came for those that needed a position and some of you over these last 40 years have walked these aisles have come into this place with your head hung down and now your head is lifted high by the grace of almighty God who is the lifter up of our head. Some of you came in here and you didn't believe that you could ever amount to anything, ever have anything. You came in here and saw this facility and didn't feel worthy to sit in those blue chairs, to sit down in those seats and now you have your favorite chair and now you can come here and be nourished and be fed not to stay here but to go out there and to represent the kingdom of our God. I wish I had some help in this room here. God has sent me to remind you that the people of God have promises. He has sent me to remind you that and my assignment today is to remind you of the many promises that the promise keeper has made to you. Last two, two in particular, and I quote the words of the prophet Haggai. Haggai 2.9, are you ready? Fasten your seatbelt, are you ready? We're coming in for a landing. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I don't know what you were waiting on, but I'm going to quote Haggai one more time. The glory of the latter house shall be more glorious than the former, said the Lord. And in this place, I will give peace. Now, and I got to give you one more promise, and that promise is from Joel, Joel 2.25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army, which I sent among you. So I come all the way from Jacksonville, Florida, to remind you of a full restoration that's coming to the people of God who endure hardness as good soldiers who are sound in the word of God, who trust Jesus and him only for their deliverance. Last word, Joel 2 verse 28. Get ready. Here it comes. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Glory be to God. It's going to take the power of the Holy Ghost for this one. But the preacher just told you the promises unto you and to your children and as to as many as are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you believe, you have a promise of an outpouring. You have a promise of the tangible presence of the true and the living God. You have a promise of of a Shekinah glory, of the presence of God with you, wherever you go, glory.
glory and restoration. It's time. It's time to wake up. Life is causing so many to fear, but we have the answer to the storm. We have the answer. Let your light so shine. Wake up. The world needs us. Wake up. The church needs us. Wake up. We are people of the kingdom. Jump up on your feet. Put your hands together. Open up your mouth. Shout in this place. Give God some glory. It's time. Listen to me. I got one minute. It's time. It's time to wake up. Oh, I have more than that. It's time to wake up. It's time for us to be alert. It's time for us to be sober and to be vigilant. It's time. These words that you've heard today, there's been enough preached in here. I travel this nation. I travel around the world. I listen to a whole lot of preaching, a whole lot of teaching. But you'll never hear any as clear as what you've heard even already this morning and already today. I don't care where you go. You are a fortunate and a blessed people. You are the people of God. And God knows where you are. And God knows what you've been through. And what has kept you? The word of God has kept you. What has kept you? Your faith in the living God has kept you. What has kept you? A hope and a future. What has kept you? You threw your cow off the mountain. Some of us, this pandemic was like us losing our cow. And the only way you navigated and the only way you made it is you resulted back to the main thing. When you keep the main thing, the main thing, not only will you survive, but you will be more than conquerors through him that have loved you. Come on. We're already victorious. Hey, Peter, we're already victorious. Tash told us this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we have overcome the world, little children. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Listen, I come all the way from Jacksonville. You know how long a flight that is? Oh, man, it's a long flight. And I come in anticipation of seeing faces of people who are now considered a remnant. Because a remnant are those people, not a small number, but all of the people who survive a trial and survive a test. All of the people who have come out of a storm, you become that remnant. But there's a beauty about remnant. Remnant have responsibility. What you went through in that wilderness and through these past two years really should just have strengthened your relationship with God, has called you to reflect on what is the main thing. When Pastor Tom started talking last night and this morning, and really this past Sunday, those things are the current events and the current issues, not just in Zimbabwe, but on our planet, around the world. You have a man with a world vision, with an anointing and a message for the entire world. Familiarity often breeds contempt. Pastor Taz said, you heard him. Ain't this Bonnie's husband? Ain't this Daniel and Tommy's daddy? Ain't that Sarah's daddy? No, that's, that's the man of God. That's, that's God's elect. That's God's chosen. And God chose him and elected him for such a time as this. 
And because I've told him in time past, he's that magnet that can draw little pieces of metal like me from across the sea together to come and stand with him, to galvanize the cause of Christ and to be the body of Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who's above us all, through us all, and in us all. Come on, one holy church. Come on, one kingdom under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Come on, put your hands together, throw your head back, and shout in this place. It's time to wake up. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to be here and to be with this people. God, it seems so long. It's been such a time, long time since I've been here. And God, I miss my family. I see the importance of meeting with people face to face to exhort one another even the more as we see that day approaching to encourage one another so God thank you for all of the encouragement that we've received today all of the instruction and in righteousness for every word of instruction rebuke reproof and even now exhortation I thank you for it in Jesus name Amen thanks for listening for more teachings and videos visit celebrationmen.org